Well, in 2018, an article was released based around the uh, scientific study that was done that revealed some very intriguing benefits, health and life benefits, uh, linked to one specific practice in life. This practice might be surprising to you, especially in light of the, uh, the benefits that I share uh, with you. There seems to be no correlation to me, but I'll share the benefits first, and then I'll tell you the, the practice in, in life. The first benefit is this, better sleep. And who doesn't want that, right? Uh, like the, the study the studies showed, adults who participate in this practice, they just tend to exhibit healthier sleep outcomes than those who, who don't. The second benefit was lowered risk of depression. Kind of a more serious one, does not eliminate depression, but clinical depression was 22% lower in folks who participate in this activity. The third one is lower blood pressure and a lower risk of mortality. Like everyone still dies, right? No one's found the fountain of youth, but among those who participate in this practice, uh, they had a 26% lower risk of mortality. And then among the elderly who participate, uh, they had 40% lower blood pressure. Like that's a significant difference uh, just by participating in this practice. Parents, you'll appreciate this next one. Fourth benefit, better grades. Come on right there, right? Uh, so this practice correlated with higher math and reading scores and uh, a greater educational aspiration among, among young people. And then the last one was really surprising to me. Uh, it was more stable, happy, and sexually satisfying marriages. Somebody like, I'm paying attention now. I just, I just heard something and I'm paying attention now. So, so uh, 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 the, uh, the, sorry. Uh, yeah. That was bad timing right there. Really bad timing. <laughs> couples, couples who participate, that was funny right there. <laughs> couples who participate in this practice together tend to report significantly higher uh, relationship satisfaction than those who don't. And among married adults uh, who participate in this practice together, uh, they were most likely to report enjoying sex with their spouse extremely or very much. So, by simply participating in this one practice regularly, you could potentially uh, have better sleep, lower your chance of depression, lower your blood pressure and risk of mortality, get better grades, and if you're married, you'll have a higher chance of having a relationally and sexually satisfying marriage. And what is that one practice? Congratulations, you're doing it right now. It's church attendance. Is that not crazy? That's crazy. Now, I would not recommend using those things as a church invitation tactic, <laughs> right? Like, hey, you should come to my church this weekend unless you want to die early. <laughs> like, people already think Christians are weird. Let's not add to the stigma. But, but even with those apparent health benefits from that, that study of regular church attendance, I actually believe there are even more important reasons, deeper reasons for us to gather together like this than just those five benefits, to, to connect together. And that's what I wanna focus on today as we're continuing our sermon series called Why. 
Before I move on to the message, though, I do need to introduce myself to anybody uh, who's new. Uh, if you are new here, my name is Jeff Manis. I'm the lead pastor here. And if you happen to get better sleep this week, you now know why. Uh, I just hope I don't put you to sleep with my sermon today. Uh, that would be wonderful. I didn't do that. And for everyone who is here, uh, including anyone joining us on video today or somewhere online, uh, just so glad that you are with us as well. Two weeks from today. On Sunday, October 13th, I am so excited about a new sermon series that we will be starting that's all about relationships, and it's called Hashtag Single. Now, don't let the title fool you. Don't let the title fool you. This, this is for everyone. It's a play on words. It's for everyone, not just for, for singles, no matter our relationship status. And in the series, we will teach on marriage. We're going to talk to singles on a couple of weeks. We're gonna, even going to talk about divorce, what the Bible says about that. Uh, but really, the, the whole goal we want to focus on in the series is we want to be fulfilled, no matter our relationship status. And the only way for us to be fulfilled in life is if we have a single focus in life. Hence the name, hashtag single. So that starts two weeks from today. We will have some invite cards for you uh, on the chairs next week, and you can use those. Today, though, we're in part three of a four-part sermon series called Why. And we're walking through why we exist as a church. And today, I want to look at the second part of our vision statement as we're walking through our vision. So our vision in a statement's on the screens there, and it's this. We exist to help guide people to experience life to its fullest. Last week, we looked at that. Connect into meaningful relationships, that's today, and make a lasting impact. We'll deal with that one next week on our 12-year anniversary as a church next Sunday. Uh, all the new swag, by the way, I'm sporting a new Element church, uh, church shirt today. All the new swag will be in the store next week and would love for you to pick up some of that to, to be a part of that as well. This, this idea of gathering together of meeting together for worship, uh, learning from the word of God, gathering together in small groups to pray for one another and study God's word, to, to connect together. Uh, according to scripture, this, this idea of connecting like this, it appears to be, at the very least for Christians, a strong suggestion for us to do this, if not a command to do it. And so you're in church today, so you're kind of off the hook, but, but like this, we're commanded to do this in scripture. Hebrews 10 verse 25 puts it this way, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near, that is the return of Christ. That phrase, meeting together, uh, Albert Barnes, theologian from the early 1900s, he said this about that phrase. The Greek word, which is translated meeting together, means an act of assembling or gathering together for public worship. The command here is to meet together for the worship of God, and it is enjoined on Christians as an important obligation to do it. Yet many people would ask, and legitimately so, but why? Why is this so important for us to, to gather together? Doesn't God have enough things to worry about besides making sure we meet together every single Sunday? And that's a legitimate question, by the way. Like, like whether you believe in God or not, many people want to know why. Why are we supposed to, to do this? And by the way, if you are here and you don't believe in God, like way to go for being here, like for real. There are some people who say they believe in God, even say they love God, and they have not yet been to a church all year. And you're already here. 
Like, that's awesome, so, so good job. And whether you change what you believe or not, whether you attend our, our church or not, we'd love for you to, but whether you do, like, like we still love you, you're invited to be here, uh, but I hope you know, like, this verse really is not directed at you. I think it's good for you, I would recommend you doing it, but it's not really directed at you. Either way, I think sometimes we view our church attendance or our small group participation as something that God needs. And sure, part of the reason we gather together is to glorify, honor, and praise God as we have already done today, but that's not the only reason that we gather together. In fact, our big idea for today is this. It's on the screens if you want to write it down. The goal of our gathering is not just for God. It's also for our good. That, that the goal of us getting together is not just for God, it's really for our good, for our good. And, and can I just let us in on something today? I'm gonna break into preacher mode for a second because I think we need to understand this. Maybe it's a reminder for someone or, or maybe it's a revelation to someone, but, but here it is. God does not need us to gather. God doesn't need us to do this. Like God's good. He, he's, he's already got this. He'll be fine whether we ever gather together to worship him or not. I mean, Psalm 89 verse 7 says, the highest angelic powers stand in awe of God. That around his throne are four living creatures who cannot even be, they're, they're so majestic, they cannot even be described in human terms. And yet around God's throne for eternity, these four creatures declare, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Jesus even said, if God's people don't praise him, the rocks themselves will cry out. So God's good. <laughs> He's, he's got this. He doesn't need us to gather. The amazing thing is, though, the mind-blowing thing for me is, while God does not need us to gather, he still invites us and allows us to gather in his presence, to join the chorus of creation in our praise of God. That God, I brought my paper Bible today. I usually don't have this with me. But he, he gives us his word to open up and teach and learn and be encouraged and challenged by his word. So God does not command us to meet together to stroke his ego or give us something else to do with our busy lives. And, and, and we as a church, we don't, we don't challenge us to make this a priority to gather together because we can't think of anything else to do with this hour on Sunday. That's not why we do it. No, God commands us to meet together and it's a part of our vision to connect together like this and in small groups because he knows and we know just how good it is for us to do it. It's good. So the goal of our gathering is not just for God, it's also for our good. So the question we've got to ask then is this, what is good about our gathering? What is good for us about our gathering? Main scriptures, Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. If you've got a Bible, you can uh, turn there. If you didn't bring one, all the verses will be on the screens. And if you don't own a Bible, we give you one for free. We want to give it away and just ask for a Bible out in the lobby. They're free of charge. We started a second ago uh, where this section ends with verse 25 and the command, the very least, the challenge for us not to neglect our meeting together. Verse 23 then starts telling us, I think, why. Here's what verse 23 says. Let us, 
hold tightly without wavering to the hope. Everyone help me out and say hope. To the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. The the writer of Hebrews didn't say it was just a hope that he affirmed. And he didn't say it's a hope that you affirm. He said, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. So what is good for us about our gathering? Number one is this, it models our unity. It models our unity. And here's what I mean. As Christians, even as Christians in this same church, we are not going to agree on everything in the faith. It's impossible. But when we gather, we have a chance to align ourselves together, to to model our unity around the hope and the promise that we affirm. And what hope and promise do we affirm? Well, the hope and promise the, the, the author of Hebrews is referring to is actually found in the previous verses of Hebrews. We don't have time to read all of it, so I'll encourage you to read it on your own if you want. But, but I'll just tell you, it was a hope that we can now boldly enter into God's presence by faith in Jesus, his blood shed on the cross for our sins and his life resurrected three days later. And, and the promise is that right now, Jesus is seated at the right hand of God the Father, uh, awaiting his return to come rescue those of us who, who believe in him and take us to live with him for eternity. And, and, not only can we enter into God's presence by faith in Jesus, but by that faith, we have been made clean. We are forgiven We have been adopted into God's family as sons and daughters. So when we gather, let us hold tightly then to that hope that we affirm without wavering. And listen, this is why I think it's so important. Listen to me. That as Christians, during the singing portion of our service, we actually sing. That we lift up our hands that we respond to God physically in worship. Why? Because when we choose to sing and when we choose to respond, we are actually modeling for people who are looking that we are united around Jesus Christ, our living hope that we just sang about today. Sometimes you might see me. I'll be standing right down here in the front row during worship. And if I'm standing this way, I'll turn around and I'll look across the room. I don't look to kind of take note of who's here and who's not here, okay? I do that because I look, and when people are responding in worship, you know what it does for me? It strengthens my heart. So yes, we lift our hands to God, but we also lift our hands so other people can see, hey, we're not alone in this faith. We're modeling our unity around Christ. It's also why I think it's necessary that as Christians, we serve in the church. It's one thing to attend, even to participate through singing or saying amen or whatever, but when we start actually giving of ourselves to to serve at the gathering, talk about modeling unity. 
I mean, when you serve, you are essentially saying, I believe so much in the hope that we affirm that I'm going to give of myself to be a part of serving God through his church and serving the people who attend his gathering. So if you are a Christian and you call Element Church home and you are not yet currently serving on one of our teams, I don't think there's a greater way to model our unity in the hope we have in Christ or the promise of his return than serving right here on one of our teams. And listen, even if you don't believe, we have places for you to serve too. You don't have to believe what we do to be a part of a team here at Element. It's good for us to do that. I don't ask you to serve because it's just good for God or the church. I ask you to serve because it's good for you to serve the church. One of our core values here is it matters that no matter how you serve in the church, it matters for you and it matters for the church. So please, if you're not serve, you are awesome. Thank you so much for giving of your time and talents. But if you're not, take that card on your seat, fill, fill it out today. If, if, a, if a one team doesn't work, we'll find a different team for you to serve on. But fill that out, drop it off at the volunteer table. Please find a team that you can serve on because the goal of our gathering is not just for God. It's also for our good. And what's good for us about our gathering? Well, it models our unity that we are not alone in the hope that we affirm. Then verse 24 says this, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. The second reason it's good for us to gather is this. It motivates us to action. Gathering together motivates us to action. Or at least it should. It should. That word motivate in verse 24, in the Greek uh, language that it was written in, that word motivate actually means this. A provocation which literally jabs or cuts someone so they must respond. That's powerful. So that's actually one of our goals here at Element every week, not to jab and cut people. That, we don't want to hurt anybody. But, but we, our goal is to present God and present God's message in such a way that people must respond. They must. And listen, your response might be, I don't buy any of that garbage. That's a, that's, a, that's a response. But we want to present the gospel in such a way that it forces a response, that, that it motivates us to, to action. And sometimes, sometimes, like we, we plan weeks in advance thinking of how can we present this in a way that will be memorable, right? And sometimes those ideas just kind of fall into our lap. Like this week, every year around Frontier Days, uh, Frontier Days, the world's largest outdoor rodeo hosted right here in Cheyenne, Wyoming. I think this is the year I should buy me a cowboy hat. Every year without fail. Because there are some dudes, they put on a cowboy hat and they instantly look cool. And I want to look cool, especially during Frontier Days. And so I think I'm going to buy me a cowboy hat. And so I go with my family out to Frontier Days. They have thousands of cowboy hats to choose from. And I try one on and my family says, no, you should not buy a cowboy hat because I look ridiculous. But I did bring a cowboy hat and, and I brought me some spurs. Yeah, my children are so embarrassed right now. I don't even know how to put these things on, but we're gonna try here. Here we go. Oh, there we go, okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put these on. Uh, I, actually, I actually thought about 
uh, wearing a full-on cowboy outfit to preach my entire sermon in, like the, the cowboy hat, the, uh, the long sleeve shirt, button-up shirt, the, the belt buckle, uh, the spurs, you know, the boots. I don't even own cowboy boots. I'm a size 12 if anybody wants to get me some. But um, <laughs> I thought about wearing the whole thing, but I realized if I dress like a cowboy, you ain't paying attention to nothing I say up here. So I'm just going to do it for a portion. Okay. There is a reason, by the way, partners, that I brought this cowboy hat and spurs. This mental image is forever burning your brain now. I hope you realize that. It's because in the new, in the new international version for verse 24, this is what verse 24, how it, how it translates is in, in new international version. It says this, and let us consider how we may what? Spur. spur. I got my spurs on. How we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And I love the mental image of a spur. I got mine on right, right now, right? Like, like a, a spur is a, is a perfect definition for that word motivate. It fits perfectly. A provocation that literally jabs or cuts someone so they must respond. Is that not what a spur does to a horse? It provocates them, right? Now, yes, I, please, I understand you can abuse a spur. You can misuse a spur to harm an animal. But the goal, I should have brought a saddle up here and got on it. That would have been, ah, <laughs> woo! That's for, I'm totally embarrassing my family right now. A spur, if I understand it correctly, is used by the rider of the horse to direct the horse in the right way at the right speed. And part of my role as the pastor here, not my only role, but part of my role, and part of the role of us gathering together is to spur one another on towards love and good deeds, to, to move us in the right direction at the right speed. And listen, I understand sometimes that what I say or what we teach might hurt at first. Truth hurts sometimes. We are not intending to hurt, okay? It's not the goal. It might hurt at the beginning, but the end goal is good. And what's the end goal? Love and good deeds. Is it not better for you to be more loving and do more good deeds? Is it better for the church if you are more loving and do more good deeds? Is it better for every person in your life if you love more and do more good deeds? Yes. So the goal of our gathering is not just for God, it's also for our good. And what is good for us about our, our gathering? Well, it models our unity around the hope in Christ. It motivates us to action. Spurs one another on towards love and good deeds. And that brings us then back to the verse where we started. Hebrews 10 verse 25 says this. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but, what's the word? Encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. The third reason it's good for us to gather is this. Number three, it encourages us to continue. It encourages us to continue. These Christians that Hebrews was written to, they were living in hard times. Like to be a Christian in this day, first century, was difficult. Even if you did everything right, 
even if you did everything by the book in a God-honoring way, on top of just the general pressures and stresses of life, these Christians were being persecuted for their faith in Jesus. They, they were in need of some hope. And some of them, in the midst of the difficult times in their life, they withdrew from the church. They stopped gathering together. Some of these Christians were actually in danger of leaving their faith altogether. And the writer of Hebrews says, no, no, don't, don't stop gathering together. It's so good for you. It models our unity in Jesus Christ, our living hope. It motivates us to action towards love and good deeds. And it encourages us to continue in the race. The finish line's in sight. Don't give up. Don't give in. That's what he was saying. It actually reminds me of what a friend did for me three years ago when I ran the Las Vegas Marathon. I had trained for months, hours of my life. I followed one of the most popular and well-known uh, marathon training plans available. I changed the way I ate. I did all the right exercises and stretching. I ran the right distances at the right pace. Like I had run one marathon before in my life and at mile 22 of that race, my body couldn't run another step. My muscles and my legs seized up and I had to walk the rest of the of the marathon in pain. So this time, my, my main goal was to finish the race without walking. That was my main goal. I had a secondary time goal, but I would have been happy just to finish without walking. My brother-in-law, Ryan, was running the race with me and a friend of mine here in the church, his name is Jeff Spiker, some of you know him. Uh, he was in Las Vegas with us running the half marathon. Well, the half marathoners took off before our race, so Jeff was out running his own race. Ryan and I, we ran at a similar pace in our training. We had similar goals. So we started out together. Here's actually a picture of Ryan and I in the race. And you know, if we were smiling there, I wasn't smiling at the end. The first eight or nine miles, man, not only were we feeling great as the picture suggests, but man, we were on pace to hit our time goal. Not just finish out walking, but hit our, our time goal. But from mile nine to 10, something happened in me. Something changed, and I knew it was not going to be my day. And we passed the mile 10 marker, and I told Ryan, I was like, bro, I cannot keep up this pace. There's no way. I just can't do it today. I said, if you have it, go for it. I'm good if you leave. I'm good. Just you go, try to get the time goal, and I'll meet you at the end. And so I, I fell back. I didn't walk yet, but I still had my goal of, of uh, finishing without walking, which was okay. That's what I wanted anyway. But with each passing mile, I didn't know if my body could continue. I held on as long as I could, but by mile 16, my thighs were like rocks, just completely seized up at 16 miles. I could not run another step and I was forced to walk. And I was demoralized. I was demoralized. I had, did, I had done everything right. I did everything I was supposed to do to train for the marathon. I was in tears. I literally shouted through my tears, no, no. I was so, so mad, so mad at myself. I had 10.2 miles left and my body couldn't run. 
I had my phone on me, so I texted my wife. I said, please pray for me. Have other people pray. I'm at mile 16, my legs locked up, I can't run. After walking for a bit, I figured out a rhythm. I was listening to worship music in my headphones and I knew I could run for one song and walk for one song. So I ran one and walked one, ran one and slowly but surely I passed each mile marker. But with each passing marker, my body slowed down more and more and more. And I honestly did not know if I would finish. I was ready to phone it in. Mile 21, mile 22, and I was not running at all anymore. I was limping along. And I remember thinking, if I just had someone with me, I could finish. But even in a sea of people, I was all alone. I thought about giving up so many times. Every medical tent I passed, I thought, just collapse right now and they'll help you. Those last three miles may as well have been 30 in my mind. I, there was no way I was going to finish. And it was right about mile marker 23. I noticed someone running the wrong way down the marathon route. And at first I'm like, man, at least I don't have it that bad. <laughs> like that guy's so confused. He's running the wrong way. I'm just walking. And then I realized I'm either hallucinating, which was a real possibility, or that's Jeff Spiker running back at me. And sure enough, it was Jeff Spiker. He finished the half marathon in blazing speed. <laughs> my, my wife told him, hey, Jeff's struggling. He had to stop running at mile 16. And so Jeff turned around after running a half marathon and started running backwards the marathon route to find me. And friends, I have never been so happy to see someone I know than that moment in my life. I, I wanted just to like, just collapse in his arms. He said, uh, you got this, you got this. Just keep taking one more step. And when you're ready, let's run. And so we started running. Here's a picture of Jeff and I running He's smiling, I'm not. <laughs> As we were running, he said, let me know if you need to walk, I'm with you. And those are the longest three miles I've ever ran in my life. But they might be the most fulfilling. And I honestly don't think I could have done it if Jeff had not circled back for me. And I crossed the finish line with my hands in the air as if I had won. Here's a picture of me crossing the finish line. <laughs> the next moment, I, just, I was just so relieved. And Jeff was with me all the way through the end. And can I just say, one of the greatest parts of our gathering together is we get to do for one another what Jeff Spiker did for me, we circle back and we care for one another. And I know there are some of you in this room right now. I know. I know because I know some of you. And you've shared with me what's going on in your life. And you feel like you've done everything right. You, you've done everything you're supposed to do. But life has worn you down. 
and you don't know if you can go on. And, and right here, right now, can I just say to you, church, I'm circling back for you. I'm circling back for you in this moment. And I'm saying to you, like Jeff said to me, you can do this. You can do it. Just one more step. If you, if you, if you got to walk, I'll walk with you. But I'm with you. All the way to the end, I'm with you, okay? I'm with you. The goal of our gathering is not just for God. It's also for our good. It models our unity. It motivates us to action and it encourages us to continue. And right now, I wanna encourage some people to continue. One of our core values, we have six of them here. One of them is better together. It's on the screens that we become the most like Christ when we are connected together through Christ. And can I just say, there is nothing more Christ-like than circling back for those who are in need of help. And so we're gonna circle back today. Some of us are running a race and we're doing pretty good. Others of you are, are trailing behind. And we don't leave people behind. So we're gonna circle back. If you're here, and that would describe your life right now, that you don't even know how to take another step, I wanna pray for you. Our church wants to pray for you. So I'm coming back at you down that marathon route right now. And if you need somebody to walk with you, we're gonna do that. So if you're struggling, hurting, whatever it is. I don't care what it is. I don't even need to know what it is. But if that's you and you want me to pray for you, I want you to stand up right where you are. We're going to circle back. Anybody else? If you're around someone who's standing, nobody's alone, okay? If you gotta leave your seat and go find someone, I don't want anybody standing alone. If you're around somebody who's standing and you just wanna put your hand on their shoulder, I'm gonna ask us to do that. And we're gonna pray. We're circling back, church. God, by the authority of Jesus, who made the ultimate circle back. He literally came to creation to circle back for us. Lord, right now we're circling back for our hurting brothers and sisters. And we're standing with them. And Lord, I know sometimes life gets tough. It just gets tough. And we don't even know if we can take one more step but Lord, in, in the midst of a sea of people where we can feel utterly alone, I pray right now in the name of Jesus for those who stood that we would be evidence to them that they are not alone. 
that we stand with them in the name of Jesus. We walk with them in the name of Jesus. May they see us as a church circling back for them in this moment. Lord, every hurt, would you start to bring healing? Lord, Lord, every situation that seems hopeless, would you bring hope? Lord, where there's weakness, would you bring power and victory? Lord, in every single situation, we ask for you right now to use these people, your church, to be models of your presence in their life. Lord, right now, this is why we gather. We, we can't do this by ourselves, only together. So we gather together to model our unity, to motivate us to action, and right now to encourage us to continue. I pray today, this moment, that someone has the courage to take one more step. We love you, God. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. I hope you're glad you came today. But I also hope you'll make it a priority to continue. There's 90 days approximately. We've got three months left in the year. What if all of us in this room made a commitment that for the next 90 days, next three months, unless we let, and there's sometimes you literally just can't come to church. I get it. But for the next three months, you won't miss a Sunday if it's in your power to do so. What if we did that? There's probably about 3,000 people or more who call Element Church home. We average about 1,380. Now again, I understand there's things that take us away. But you can't experience what just happened by yourself. It's good for us to gather. It's good. And you don't know how many Sundays I need to be here with you. That you encourage me to take one more step. So let's keep gathering together. Let's keep making that a priority in our lives. If you do need more prayer for something in your life, uh, you can stop by the purple tent in the back of the auditorium before you go, and our prayer team will pray for you. If you're new, uh, man, thank you so much for coming. Please stop by the living room before you go. And then next week, our 12-year anniversary as a church. I hope you'll be here for that. Stop by the volunteer table as well. I love you guys so much. It's my honor to be your pastor. Have a great week. You're dismissed.